the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. Rob Black and your money. The Rob Black Show. However you want to title it, I am actually okay with not stress in any way, shape, or form. Show dedicated to getting your retirement. Show dedicated to talking about what's happening on Wall Street and why. Trying to understand money. Trying to understand insurance, investing, savings, earnings, state planning, giving money to your kids, not giving money to your kids. Things along those lines. Valentine's Day is right around the corner. It's getting more and more expensive. It's an example of inflation. Super Bowl tickets are an example of inflation. A Super Bowl ticket 15 years ago is $1,000. And we're like, oh, last year's Super Bowl tickets were $4,000. And we're like, oh, this year's Super Bowl tickets are $5,000. Oh, it's inflation. Where else are we seeing inflation? Home prices. When I see Super Bowl tickets at a thousand to five thousand dollars over a twenty-year period, I'm like, okay, I get it. When I see it four thousand to five thousand, I'm like, ouch, that's been a rough year. And don't forget, there's about a thousand dollars of fees every time you buy a ticket at Ticketmaster or StubHub. Not always a thousand dollars of fees, but when they, the ticket costs five hundred, there's appropriate fees. When it ticket costs a thousand, there's appropriate fees. When it's five thousand. When it's five thousand, it's a thousand dollars. Like, ooh, Ticketmaster was very, very smart the way they set up their business. But Valentine's Day is a, uh, a thought we can look at, and I think we can all understand and say, "Wow, how much are we spending?" Wait, wait, why? Valentine's Day spending is expected to beat twenty three point nine billion dollars this year, second highest ever on record. Americans will spend $175 on candy, cards, flowers, and romantic gifts. I'll be lucky to be talking to my sugar booger on Valentine's Day because we have our ups and downs like everyone else has. And I'm not a big romantic. Those of you in a relationship pay a tax called the love tax where you actually pay more. During Valentine's Day, $208. That's kind of funny, right? I think the difference between single people spending $175 and people in a relationship actually upping their ante to 208 Inflation is generally making everything more expensive. Inflation, inflation, inflation. Now you understand why I've always said for years, inflation is the Jason Voorhees. Inflation is the thing that I'm afraid of, the Michael Myers. Because I thought I needed a million to retire. Now I need a million plus. And it's scary. It's like that little doll Clarabelle. How did she get under my bed? 
a dozen roses, which can cost around $100 on Valentine's Day, can be even more expensive, particularly if they need to be imported. Anything that's being imported right now because it's winter where you live has to be put on a plane, a train, maybe an automobile. Couples are likely to opt for an evening out this year compared to last year. COVID-related restrictions made it harder to eat in a restaurant or see a show. Those are starting to lift. Potential partners that you may have met on OK Stupid, or no, no, it's called OK Cupid, Bumble, or Humble. Those potential partners, they may be ready to meet you now. Men are likely to spend more significantly than women. Men average $235 versus $119 for women. What are the women buying? That's, that's a good question. If we look at their traditional gender roles, is it the women are buying sexy lingerie and romantic clothing? I don't think I've ever had a woman spend on me at, at, at Valentine's. Am I doing everything wrong? Last year, almost 35% of men spent upwards of $500. So it was a big deal last year. Cooped up, nowhere to go. You want to express something. You can't express your love by, let's escape to Miami this weekend. Let's escape to Paris this weekend. Let's go to Hawaii this weekend. So COVID has uh, caused a little bit of a bubble of inflation during the times of love and sheltering. The best box chocolates. Here's something I love about the internet. There is no shortage of misinformation. There's no shortage of information. I remember as a child, my mother, my father would get my mother C's candies. And I thought that was all that in a bucket of chicken. Only to grow up to learn, it's really not all that nice. But I saw something on the internet yesterday. And it, it probably was one of those paid advertisements, right? That's what you, you've come to learn to hate about Google. That's what you've come to learn to hate about Facebook. When you see a, a story and you're like, ooh, I'm going to see an article about the best chocolates in the world. And I'm going to get my honey the best chocolates in the world. And she's going to think I got her the best chocolates in the world. She's going to think it was all from my head. Nope. It's from a paid advertisement, which right now in social media is a thing. Facebook has a lot of problems that Apple is no longer willing to share with Facebook the information that I'm in a relationship or that I've searched for chocolates, or, and because of that, Facebook is dealing with targeted ads aren't targeting as well. Advertisers won't pay as much. So what are you doing for your sweetie for Valentine's? I would be interested to hear. Drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. You and your sugar burger have a great Valentine's Day. What will it lead to? Love, sweet love. Housing wealth, maybe, right? There's something to be said for shacking up, marrying, 
living with your SO, your significant other. Two people living under one roof is a lot cheaper than two people living under two roofs in this day and age. Is that forcing people into love and relationships? Probably not. Maybe. Sometimes, yeah, I think you've seen that. I think I've seen that too, right? Housing wealth is setting near records on a regular basis with both owners and sellers. The profit on a typical home sale last year was just over 94000 an increase of 45% from the profit in 2020 and 71% of the pre-pandemic profits. About 42% of homeowners were considered equity rich at the end of last year. The amount tappable equity grew by $2.6 billion, $2.6 trillion, set a record total of $9.9 trillion. So equity in your home that you could do a HELOC with, H-E-L-O-C, HELOC, Home Equity Line of Credit, now sits at $9.9 trillion. So Americans have a lot of ammo to spend on love, to spend in the economy, to spend grown old together. There's a lot of positives. That's what I always want to try to throw down, positives and negatives. In the end, I'm not too fearful. I'm not too greedy. In the end, I'm not too optimistic. I'm not too pessimistic. Positive and negatives. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. In 2020, the world was turned upside down by COVID-19. This goes for the vaxxers and the anti-vaxxers. This goes for the elderly and for the young. This goes for the Republicans and for the Democrats. 2020 was marked a huge milestone in the history of the world. Number of people 65 and older. Outnumbered children under the age of five for the first time in history. This is just the beginning to think of the ramifications. My mother died during the pandemic because some jerk out there, Joe Blogan, would say things like, ah, COVID's not real. Ah, you can take ivermectin. Ah, it's safe for you to fly. Ah, my personal freedoms are more important than your mother's life. Okay, she was older than 65. Guilty. A lot of people are older than 65 now. For the first time in history, the number of people over 65 outnumber children under the age of five. Our ability to live longer, healthier, more productive lives is one of humankind's greatest accomplishments. Over the next two decades, the number of people aged 65 and older will nearly double to 72 million people. One in five Americans will be older than 65. One of the very first things I did in finance and investing was, was learn that the United States census was really important. As we get older, we're going to need healthcare services. We're going to need drugs. We're going to need the biotech companies to come up with cool biotechs to save our lives, to extend our lives. What else are we going to need? We're going to need our money to last longer, so we're going to need to be better at financial planning. We'll need wheelchairs and artificial hips, medical devices. I think we all know someone over 65 is like, oh, I just got a new hip and I love it. I had a neighbor get a knee replacement. And usually like you hear, oh, it's going well. Hers did not go well. Hers was crazy rehab. And 
like, oh yeah, my foot hurts because now I'm over overusing my thigh. I'm like, what? I'm not looking forward to aging. Picture a 10-year-old child. That 10-year-old today has a 50% chance of living to 104. So think of a little 10-year-old kid right now. Mom, I want a burrito. I want a burrito. And as that 10-year-old age is 50% chance, they'll live to 104. As the older that child gets and escapes 11, 12, 13 without accidentally dying, the odds go up. The question the retirement and financial services industries must ask, what can we do now to help people live longer lives and help them thrive at the same time? This is what this show is all about. I don't like the idea of my kids living to 104 because that to me, and I know you're saying, wait, 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 where are you going with that, Rob? You're sounding creepy. You're not going to kill your kids. Are you? No, 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 no. I'm not going to Baron Von Moonchild them. No, 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 no. This is not a Moonchild thing. I don't like the economy. I don't like our college system. I don't trust they can support younger people. And think of my kids, let's say they do live to 60. Great. But then they have to live 44 years in retirement. Oh, and let's put it this way. There, there's quality of life at 60. There's quality of life at 70. A little less at 80, a lot less at 90. 100, not so good. When you see people at 104 on the Today Show, oh, what's his secret to success? Oh, he eats his jam and jelly without his teeth in. It doesn't look good. The traditional view of life was that we'd peak in the middle years of our lives, retire and go into decline. And we're seeing at AARP statistics, that isn't happening as frequently. People are embracing age as a period of continued growth. Instead of just seeing dependent retirees, we're beginning to see a new type of experienced, accomplished workforce. Instead of seeing expensive costs, we're witnessing an exploding consumer market that's bolstering our economy. I have allergies. I have allergies. It makes me feel like a 10-year-old. It's not going to live to 104. So we're seeing retirees now as growth markets. 10 years ago, 20 years ago, we saw retirees as, oh, they're just going to get old, watch TV and die. They're going to watch Maury. Maury Povich. I like that Maury Povich. He's handsome. Many people are rethinking ways of approaching living longer, healthier lives. One of the things they fear most is that they may outlive their money. That's a fear for me. Although life expectancy continues to increase, individuals and industries haven't yet adapted to the need to earn, save, and manage financial resources to support living longer lives. Sure, let's say I'm in retirement and I have a home that's paid for, but I don't have new income coming in because I've lost my ability to work. My house is paid off, but I don't have income. What am I going to do? At some point in time, I'm going to do a reverse mortgage or I'm going to sell that home or I'm going to downsize that home, but don't do it too early because he might live to 104. Will I still love my sugar booger at 104? The answer is probably I won't even recognize or know her at 104. Old timers runs in my family. My mother got it. My mother's mother got it. Will I get it? I don't know. Dad died of cancer, so I have cancer in my family. How about your dad's dad? Don't know him. He was adopted. 
So one parent lived to 60, one parent lived to 85. Actually, one parent lived to 59 and a half. You know, one area where my dad screwed me was dying at 59. Why? Because when you answer those questions on insurance forms, how long did your parents live? Under 60 means you don't have longevity in your family. Over 60 means you do. Longevity in your family means you get cheaper insurance rates because the insurance company can make it up on you because you've got the good genes or that's the thought. So we need to reset how we think about retirement, how long it's going to last, what it's going to look like. My mother had Alzheimer's basically needing help for the last five years of her life, maybe 10. And when I say help, maybe that's a part-time worker at 75 who helps her clean her home, help her with her laundry, opens up her 12 pills a day that she's taking and divvies them up for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. See you next Monday. My mom's name was Eunice. Not something I throw down on radio all that often because it's really personal. Eunice Marie. How's that for a little Catholic girl from the South? Anyhow, she didn't get to live to 104, but there's a good chance my 10-year-old kid does. 50-50. How's that for a difference in a generation or two, right? We're living longer. You got to plan longer. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Resources to help you manage your money. Visit robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Questions about how to invest in your retirement? Check out robblackshow.com and get in on the conversation. Subscribe to the podcast and video channels. No one cares more about your money than you do. It's time to start to feel good about your financial future. robblackshow.com. robblackshow.com. One of the things we have to do for those 10-year-olds is start educating them at home on financial issues. I don't know if I'm lucky. I don't know if I'm cursed. COVID has been interesting as my children pass through that 10 through 12-year-old time frame. One's a teenager now and one's 11. They're both very interested in what dad does. Maybe because of COVID, right? Whereas I used to be the guy who was away from the home. I would drive into San Francisco at 4.30 in the morning, be there by five, start my research on the daily news, having done my research from the night before in the morning when I wake up. It's kind of a a long process. It starts about one o'clock in the afternoon to put the show together. And it picks back up, not after dinner. I don't do a lot after dinner. But before I go to bed, I do a little bit of studying. And when I instantly wake up, I do some studying. I used to drive, right? That's what I'm getting at. So one of the lessons that I've given my kids is I've taught them a lot about what I do for a living and how I started a business and how I grew that business and how I ultimately sold that business and how I now work for someone else versus setting my own clock. I have to work on their clock. Parenting lessons. It all starts at home on everything you can you know, teach your kid and my dad, we used to call it the junior-senior pressure. That's when you hit your junior year of high school. He knows that he can no longer influence you or those days are waning. So he ups his game. Instead of trying to guide you in the right direction, he's now forcing you down that road. 
my kids love learning. I'm lucky. Both inside the middle school and elementary school classrooms, curiosity takes hold. They want to hear about money. They want to hear about investing. As long as your kid doesn't lose themselves in an iPad, I'm okay with iPads. It's when you can't break them out of it. I learned how to handle questions for my child or my children. How much money do you make, dad? And I tell them. I tell them how much dinner costs. I tell them how much a flay costs versus a New York strip. Because at some point in time, they're going to notice the difference. And at some point in time, they're going to be shopping on their own. I shop for 90, 90, 95% of my family's groceries. And when we're at dinner, I'm like, guess what the most expensive thing is? It's not always about money. Sometimes it's about their day. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's about their friends. To me, spoiling is more than material things. Spoiling is a lack of chores, a lack of responsibilities, a lack of rules, a lack of parameters, undivided attention from parents all the time. I had a friend who adopted a child and his kid was the most rotten, spoiled child I've ever met. Most entitled because mom and dad tried for 15 years to make a baby and something didn't happen. Something didn't happen for 15 years. Must've been fun trying. But they finally gave up and adopted. I'm not going to say gave up and adopted. That sounds like, but their child was, was it's incredibly, like, I can't even hang out with the kid. Mom's a kook, anti-vaxxer. Kid's now an anti-vaxxer. Kid's an anti-vaxxer at, at elementary school. Can you imagine? Tucker Carlson's annoying, but at least he's on television. And he's not even an anti-vaxxer, hypocrite. He's been vaccinated so many times. But, He's talking for you, not for him. I'm talking for you. I look like a dog that's just been hit in the face. I'm Tucker Carlson. So talk to your kids. Um, on occasion, I show them my mortgage statements. I show them why I get up at five or four in the morning still when I don't have to. I want to be an active participant in my child's education I teach my kids better than my spouse. So I'm in charge of homework. Um, I was pushed towards college at an early age. Therefore, I was pushed towards studying at an early age. Therefore, I'm probably a little bit... Her parents didn't care if she went to college. They were hippies. Not truly, but kind of. So spending and saving are important. I don't hide how much we have. I just explain how hard it was to create it. I don't promise that they're going to get it all. I promise that I'm going to get them through college. But I asked for them, set the table, clear the table, do the dishes, clean your room, make your bed. Just some simple things because later in life, it's not going to be that. But it's to be get up on time, clean your car, go to work, take a coworker home. It's just, you got to get kids ready for it. So I believe that you should educate your children about money. I don't understand parents that don't. I don't think my parents did. I think I was just naturally curious about everything, which is also important. A friend of mine bought a home up in the Tahoe mountains and he kind of inspired me in a funny way. 
He said, Rob, your children aren't going to learn anything about the world while they live in San Carlos on the peninsula of the, the bay. There's great jobs. There's great restaurants. Take them to the mountains and say, go outside. Have them climb a, a rock. Have them go down a creek. Have them get their shoes stuck in mud. Have them wipe out on snow. Skid up their face. You learn from falling down. You learn from danger. You learn from exposing yourself to it is what he basically is getting across. So I'm not going to give you a lot of parenting advice. You don't want it from me. And I don't want to give it to you, to be quite honest. Um, but I, I'm, I'm sharing what I do so that you understand my philosophy on money. So that you understand I'm about the long term. One area that I do spoil my children on is we get one of the best electric toothbrushes, one of the best electric toothbrushes made. Do you know why? Because the average 10 year old lives to 104. You know what, what upsets me now? You have a 50% chance of living to 104. I'm not, that's not the average. What I don't want to be is 93 and have no teeth. So my kids have nice toothbrushes. I know you're saying you're thinking of your kids having teeth at 93. I am. And you can buy a toothbrush now. Did you know this? Oral B makes, what do you think the most expensive toothbrush is right now? <clears throat> and it's not made out of gold. We're not doing anything like, oh, there's a Saudi Arabian prince who's got a toothbrush made out of pearls from 10,000 feet underwater. No, I'm not talking about that kind of expensive. Oral B makes an electric toothbrush that's $250. But it's kind of cool because what do you do? You brush your teeth in front of a mirror. And what it does is it turns the toothbrush into, are you pushing too hard and destroying your enamel? Is it too far away and not getting in between the nooks and crannies? So I was surprised as all heck that one year I got my kids last year's version of that. So last year's version of that is $125. <clears throat> so I got last year's version of the best toothbrush for them. So my kids have a $125 toothbrush and they don't even know what dad's thinking. Dad's thinking about them having teeth at 93. They see it and they say, wait, wait, it has a green light if you're brushing your teeth, right? And it'll tell you if you got the back molar or missed the back molar. So it now tracks your tooth location. If you're missing any teeth, it has a gum mode versus a tooth mode. It has a tongue mode versus a gum mode versus a tooth mode. Okay, so here's the lesson there. What did I just say? Obviously, I want you to keep your teeth. I want you to do some preventative maintenance. Losing your teeth are expensive. Dentures are expensive. The lifestyle of dentures is not good. How do I know? My mom had dentures. You would come into her room and she'd like scramble, putting her teeth in. So old Eunice, meet my kids. She doesn't even know she influenced that. And yet she did. So here's the lesson. There's a lot of lessons there, right? We're going to live longer, take care of stuff, prevent and maintenance. Every three years, four years, I stain my wood. That's outdoors, whether it's an invisible stain or a wood stain, because I want it to last longer. I spend a lot of money on it. On a fence, I want it to last longer. In an emergency, I want to sell the home and go, yep, it's as is. Look, it's lovely. Not, oh, it's as is. Look, it's dilapidated. Let's take 10% off. 
So the really funny lesson that I just gave in that segment was I buy last year's toothbrush because it's 50% off. That's called technology. Moore's law, semiconductors double, blah, blah, blah. That's not the law I want you to focus on. The law that I want you to focus on is the tech law. Today's tech is cheaper tomorrow, smaller, cheaper, faster. If you were to go back and take a look at the history of the wireless phone or the cell phone, it used to be as big as a shoebox. And we were okay with that. If you were to go back and look at beepers as a way of contacting somebody you loved and you would send them like a, I don't even know what the, the text message was, was the 311 or 999 or 666 that says, I love you. I'm the devil. No, 666 is the wrong one. No, no, no. That's not the love you. But this year's tech is 50% cheaper next year. So I'm, I moved last year. And one of the things I, I didn't inherit, but one of the things I moved into was a big house. And I have a big room that now wants a big TV in it. And I buy it on sale. I buy last year's model this year. The Super Bowl TV sales aren't about the newest, bestest TV. Those come out during the summer. The Super Bowl TV sale is all about getting rid of last year's model cheap, clearing the inventory space for this year's model coming up for Christmas. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton with EP Wealth. I'm Rob Black with EP Wealth. Chad, let's discuss what it means to invest in the S&P 500. What does it mean to invest in the S&P 500? Is it 500 stocks? Is it diversification? Can we buy and go away? What does it mean to you? Well, it, it's, it's changed a lot. Um, and I think that it's something that people hear about on the news all the time. Mm-hmm. The S&P 500 and the Dow and NASDAQ, oddly enough, they, they all share similar. The, the, a lot of stocks are in all three. Um, the S&P 500, the name in itself is a little bit odd because even though there's 500 of the largest companies in America involved, it's a market cap weighted index. So there's a lot more money that goes into, say, the top 25 to 50 companies than the 500th largest company in America. Um, now, diversified in sectors, yes, there's 11 sectors of the S&P 500. But in terms of is it really, you've got a small piece of 500 companies, not as much as you think. Right now, the S&P 500 is 6.8% Apple, 6.5% Microsoft, 4.3% Alphabet, 3.9% Amazon, and, and 2.3% Tesla. Hmm. And, and so it's, it's become a very tech-heavy index because technology companies have done extremely well over the last decade. And so they are, many tech companies are the largest companies in America. If we look back just to 2011, and you notice I didn't say any oil companies in that? Mm-hmm. Well, in 2011, the largest weighting was ExxonMobil at 3.6%. Wow. Um, Apple was half at 3.3%. Chevron, 1.9%. IBM, boy, there's, there's, there's a dog, right? <laughs> that, that's been a while. 1.9% and Microsoft 1.7% versus you know 6.5% now. So you could argue that it's more tech heavy and less diversified now than it's been in a long time. Hmm. I'm looking at those names, Apple, Microsoft, Alphabet, Amazon, or that are current weightings. 
And I'd almost say those are more things that we use in our life every day, whereas ExxonMobil and Chevron from 10 years ago was kind of big energy, kind of a different economy. Um, interesting. Are most people overweight in large cap stocks because of this phenomenon that you're mentioning of the overweightness in the indexing trend? Yeah. I mean, investing in the S&P 500 has been very successful. Large cap and large cap growth have been the best place to be really in the last decade. Um, so more money goes into it. When people look at their 401k ter- returns on their funds, they tend to add more and more money into the stuff that's already done well. Um, and they hear about the S&P 500 all the time and how hard it is for most stock pickers to beat it. So more and more money goes into it. It kind of pushes more and more money into those stocks. But at the same time, I mean, I've got an iPhone. I use Microsoft products every day. Mm-hmm. I, I use Google for searches every day. There's way too many boxes from Amazon on my porch every day. <laughs> and now I own a Tesla, so I'm spending way less money on gas. So <laughs> you know, I, I get it. That's that's just where the world is going. You know, technology, healthcare, science—it's all coming together, and that's why these companies are expanding in value. Good question on your Tesla. Are you paying more for insurance than you were previously? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I haven't really sat down and analyzed the overall cost of it yet. Um, it, yeah. It's it's fun to drive, though. We'll say that. But What's interesting nice. is my wife drove the Tesla and she got hit by something. And in California, you only need five thousand dollars of damage to other vehicles. And I was like, "That's going to be a problem." Yeah. yeah. So anyway, make sure you have the insurance uh, levels correct. Moving back to the S P five hundred, international hasn't really helped out a lot recently, Chad. Um, at times, it's been perceived as very sexy, very um, international, uh, third world countries becoming uh, economic powerhouses. Should we really pay attention to the efficient market frontier and put 20% into international and aggressive portfolios? Yeah, and that's something we all learn about that was really popular in the early 90s. This is okay. If you're trying to achieve a certain yep. rate of return, how should you asset allocate between large, small, mid, international, emerging market, bonds, cash? Uh, alternatives, even like commodities and real estate, how should you allocate to, to achieve that rate of return with the least amount of risk possible? And, um, you know, my son that graduated with a degree in personal finance and, and basically, a you know, big time into statistics, math and physics, oddly enough, argues against that math that was used quite a bit. And, you know, and he's, he's got the last 10 years on his side because international hasn't really helped increased returns, nor is it kind of mitigated volatility. But that's a small window in investing. When, when I look at investing, I think of year periods of you know 15 to 20 years plus. And if we look 20 years back, globally diversified portfolios outperformed just domestic portfolios. So back to the, the first question, since there's so many people in the S&P 500, they, most people are overweight in large cap stocks, large cap growth especially. And they're missing out on small cap value, which would have been a great buy in, you know, during COVID, the first part of COVID. A uh, lot of money going into international development now because they, they, the returns have lagged, yet the valuations are there in terms of PE ratio and revenue growth. And people are just waiting for emerging markets to kind of have a, a real big buy signal. Um, there, was, there was kind of a big buy signal, um, you know, early 21. And a lot of money started moving in there, but then COVID came back and, and some political issues. And so um, it, it's probably a good time if you're missing international to start adding some in your 401k on a, a weekly basis and buy while it's cheaper than the US essentially. So we've got about a minute and a half left. Back in the 1990s, when I got into this industry, diversification had a funny phrase, diversification. People wanted to only own tech stocks. Is diversification more important 
as you're building wealth or as you enter retirement? It's actually as you enter retirement. Um, because if you get overweighted in something and you're younger, you're 20, 30, even 40 years old, and you still got 20 years left to retire, you don't necessarily want to just sell it, especially if it's a taxable account and pay taxes on it. You're adding all the time so you can fix your asset allocation with where you're directing your contributions to your 401ks and your Roths. Um, and then, you know, obviously a lot of wealth has been built in concentrated stock positions for the employer that you work for. And, and but as you get to retirement, it's not about, it's more about, participating in the upside and limiting downside risk because that money now has to last as long as you do and you're not feeding the portfolio anymore. So you have to make sure that you're more diversified with the correct amount of safe money um, and not overexposed to one stock or one sector because your retirement depends on it now. Thanks very much. That's CFP Chad Burton with EP Wealth. He and I have been working together for roughly 20 to 25 years. You can find him at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is The Rob Black Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com. <laughs> 